0: On today's show, the Cleveland Cavaliers are down 3-1. And look, if it's not 2016 and you don't have LeBron James, you really don't want to be down 3-1 in the playoffs. We're going to talk about the Cavs' game four loss from all angles on today's episode.
1: You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast.
0: All right, the music is on the way, and it's from our friends at Astor Radio. I'm Chris Manning, covering the Cavs and the NBA for places like SP Nation, Cleveland Magazine, Forbes, the Just Basketball Show, and more. That's a lot. My co host over there is Evan Damarol, founder of the independent site Red which covers the entire Cleveland sports scene. Mm. As always, we have Jake Stevens producing. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on, That is prizepicks.com. That promo code is locked on. And I want to thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, Cavs lose game four. They're now down 3-1 to the New York Knicks. And Evan, here's where I start with this. I think a lot of the same issues showed up again. Levan look nervous. They look shaky. Garland was bad. Donovan Mitchell was an absolute no-show for the big, big part of this game. The third quarter changed him. that. Garland was great. I loved the adjustments they made to get Garland kind of coming off ball, having LaVert kind of things to ease some of the burden. But when Mitchell was bad and and passive and unhelpful in the fourth, when they weren't getting threes, when I think a lot of J.B. Bickerstaff's rotation decisions left a lot to be desired, you end up with a loss. You end up down 3-1. And barring a miracle... Cleveland season is is on the verge of of being over in round one of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, um that was generous of you to say Donovan Mitchell was a non-factor in just the fourth quarter. He was a non-factor in the entire second half for Cleveland. I think he only scored one bucket in the entire T of the second half, but JB Bickerstaff uh, running this back from game three and just using a similar approach to game four uh, really surprised me. Like seeing LaVert back in the starting lineup, seeing Ricky Rubio get spot minutes. um The Cavs were trying to control that outside noise. Like I'm, I'm sure everyone saw what Mitchell Robinson has said at this point, and he's not incorrect, Robinson, at the end of the day, that the Cavs do look rattled. They do look shooketh even. Um, and this is uh this is surprising um i i we can talk more about it as the episode goes along but this was cleveland's last chance to gain any momentum heading into this series where they make it a best of three everything's tied up there's a lot less pressure now in game five um or even just heading back to the garden a place that the Cavs have yet to win at this season still they're 0-4 this year at the garden and Now it just kind of feels like the vultures are starting to circle in. Um, The Tom Thibodeau has really outcoached J.D. Bickerstaff in nearly every sequence of the game this series. Josh Hart's just been a huge X-factor in every single game of this series. And the Cavs just look lost out there. They look like they're this team or saying, oh, yeah, we want to show we belong. We want to show that we're uh, a legitimate threat in the Eastern Conference. And like numbers, metrics, everything they did in the regular season certainly means that way, but it's hard and i think the most frustrating thing for me about this game is at least in the second half this was going to be probably the best effort or performance you were going to get out of any player outside of donovan mitchell for the Cavs, especially in a game when donovan mitchell just did not have it going and you still lost And I think that has to be the most frustrating thing of all, the most stunning thing of all, if you're the Cavaliers. And I know they're going to say, hey, we're going to be fine. We have three days off until Wednesday. And say all the right things. Like, the season technically is not over yet, but it certainly feels like we're creeping closer towards the end of things for the Cavs. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm surprised. uh, They've just looked this bad two games in a row in Madison Square Garden.
0: They, everything just looked out of sorts and wrong here for much of this guy. Well, I I do not understand for the life of me like how Jetty Osmond is like defending Jalen Brunson for much of this game over Isaac Okoro. Like, look, I understand Isaac Okoro missed some threes and like is is a limited player, but if you actually watch the freaking oh. game, if you actually are paying attention oh, and not just relying on like wonky like matchup stats from earlier in the season, Okoro is by far the best option you have as a rugged defender on Jalen Brunson. He's been that all year. He's your in the the, the game tape of how much harder it was and at times not possible for Brunson to get up and looks was very evident by when O'Cor was on the floor and when he was not. But you go he misses two shots, you go away from him. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand like how like Jared Allen is he's just been completely outclassed and out physical and, and not good in this series. Um like you got you had again wonky offensive rebounding stuff. There there's plays in this game where like there's a play in the in the first half where Isaiah Hardenschein just chases down an offensive rebound that Carousel just decided not to try and grab, and Evan Mobley stopped chasing after, and Hardenschein just hustled and got it, and Obi Topping it to three. All of this stuff has accumulated. It is the coaching decisions. It is bad play for Mitchell. It is inconsistent play from Garland. He deserves credit. We'll talk about him for how he played in the third quarter in particular. But all of this accumulated, and I, Evan, I think the two biggest things that have stood out in this series, is that number one, Donovan Mitchell has just not been there aside from game one and game two. He, as not as a scorer, has not been there since game one. Um, there's some tactical things, or some some things about his game that I think have contributed to that, but it's been a big problem. And secondly, this team has just never adjusted and felt ready for this moment. There are times where they have little spurts of it and they play hard and all that stuff, but the Knicks feel like they know exactly what they are and they're playing hard as heck, and that is something Cleveland has not done. And that I think that reflects poorly on the players. I think that reflects poorly on the coaching staff. That is how you get down three one that is how you have to you're you're going back home and needing to rip off two three in a row and go back and win and have to win one of that machine games so it would be a raucous environment to think it's get a chance to clinch this This is very much just on the doorstep of a pretty bad ugly looking first round loss there's not there's there's very little that I can say or think that we can say that feels like it reflects positively in what this first round has been
1: yeah it's. It's just it's it's staggering um, how the Cavs just haven't adapted to the intensity of the playoffs. And sure, they have never been here before, but it's just surprising to me that Mitchell has just taken this such an actively passive role, games two through four, um, considering just like his history and repertoire and just how good he is come postseason time and i talked about this with spencer german when he was on the radio leading up to game four um and i said listen if the Cavs can't get it going offensively like this is the prime time to say okay donovan this is why we came and got you you are a big time performer in the postseason you're a big time performer when the games matter the most and he didn't show up today sure he shot the ball plenty and he said post game like the shots are just going in and out or like they just weren't falling and like it just, he hasn't had it this series, and I think that's disappointing for Cleveland because you make this major investment to get this guy to push you over the edge and take you to where you want to be, and sure, he helped you get to the playoffs, and we talked about how this team will only probably go as far this postseason as Donovan Mitchell can take them, and that sentiment rings true. Uh, Cleveland does not have a game that they can carry with them in the postseason. I don't know if they have a game they can take with them at home either because they went 1-1 one one against the Knicks, and... I'm curious to see how Game Five goes, but I don't feel optimistic about how the Cavs are going to end their season at this point.
0: Yeah, this is going to end in a first-round defeat. That—that that is where this, barring something unexpected, barring something miraculous, barring something like statistically improbable, this is all. But I'm very curious to see what they look like Wednesday. Do they have Cancun vibes? Do they have, you know? Well, let's let's figure this out. Vibes, we'll see. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, where first time users can get a one hundred percent instant deposit bonus match to play. Pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than their projections, that the Prize Pick projection, you going up to ten times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people; it is just you versus those projections available. PricePix offers projections on any sport you watch. This includes the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, and a bunch, bunch more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational over 30 states and Canada. Download the PricePix app or go to PricePix.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit, match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, Prize Picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, Prize Picks will give you 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100. dollars Today's episode is also brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all new all electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Evan, we're going to give this week's Nissan most electric player of the week to Darius Garland because you know what. Credit to Darius. He showed up big in the third quarter of this game, gave Cleveland a chance. They didn't take advantage of it, but he at least showed up and was pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, Darius, I was curious to see how he would respond after just that Game 3 nightmare appearance for Garland. And it took him a little bit to test the waters. And he certainly came out big in the third quarter and at least made this game competitive enough for the Cavs to at least have a shot in the closing moments.
0: The 2023 Nissan Aria PEX Pin C Power and Premium Intelligence All in One EV, the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at nissanusa.com. All right, thanks again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Every As day, we'll be back on uh, Tuesday, getting you ready for game five and running through some of the the different players the Cavs have that'll be up Tuesday um that but I want to remind you that the Cavs will play in game 5 on Wednesday catch every moment of the Cavs hometown broadcast with Series Xm on the SXM app search Cavs in that app Evan let's do our game awards I'm going to go with Darius Garland I look I it, this is a weird MVP to give this is a bad performance this is a bad loss in the playoffs like the it, it's not like a February regular season game where you know, whatever happens and you kind of can wipe it away to someone. This is a, a loss with real stakes and real consequences. You're on the brink of losing. But Darius Garland, for his third-quarter effort, where he came out, was the best player on the floor for a stretch, was assertive, had 11-5 and five and 11 minutes in that quarter, really took it to them, really played, I think, uh, how aggressive defense, and he showed up in a big way when at Cleveland absolutely needed someone to take charge of the game. So for me, it has to be Garland as the MVP of this
1: game. Yeah, it in all honesty maybe Isaac Okoro is the other guy who really showed up for the Cavs at least just in terms of effort and hustle but Garland is the guy as we had said in the Nissan Addery that made this a game at least for Cleveland at least made things competitive because New York hit them pretty hard open this game and again Garland had to figure out just maybe just how the defense was playing him and things like that but 10 points and, I believe, 8 assists or so in the third quarter. Like, that alone is impressive in of itself. And he was a key factor in just getting the Cavs uh, a chance, at least in this game.
0: All right, let's go to stat. Uh, or, excuse me, yeah, MVP is your pick. So, let's go to stat. I just have five makes no, for Donovan we, we, Mitchell. We have what? we
1: have the same MVP. Don't worry, bro. Okay, I was going
0: to say. I was going to be like, I want to double take. So, you're not going to win a playoff game on the road when Donovan Mitchell, who you gave up three first-round picks for, who Has been who scored 71 in a game for you this year. Like, as good as he's been this year, it is insane to think you could over like you can you need more out of him than five of eighteen. The fact that he made five shots, he made one free throw, he took two freaking free throws. The fact that he just was this bad in this stage. No, there was no like Mitchell Nick's didn't come and get me revenge. There's been none of that for the most part of the series. And this this is the game we wanted it. We talked about. And getting ready for this episode, and I've had this conversation with a bunch of people in my life being like, this has to be a game where Mitchell is assertive, where Mitchell is awesome, where Mitchell takes over. And you got basically the opposite of that. Just I, I don't know what to make of this. There's some thing again, there's some things about how he plays that I think have, the Knicks have really keyed in on and that it, that's made it hard, but five makes for Mitchell is just not, not at all going to cut it.
1: I agree. Um, it's just a bad game for donovan mitchell he owned up to a post game just watching the valley sports feed saying that this was on him he let his team down and he needs to be better and he expects to be better in game five and he kind of stressed that the season isn't over yet and he's been in situations like this before and he's had bad playoff games in the past and responded from it and maybe history and just you know a strong body of work gives you a little bit of calm in terms of this moment but yeah in the fact that and this is something i stressed in the first segment that you give up so much to acquire this guy to take you to where you need to be and now that you're there you want to continue the party you want to prove that you belong got yada, yada buzzwords everything in between so mitchell just has been disappointing especially after game one it was fascinating because you and i were talking about it like despite the loss you maybe thought that just because Thibs has a history of not really adjusting and Trey Young did this in the past, like maybe Mitchell had figured out kind of how the Knicks are defending them in the pick and roll and how he can probe and just bend the defense a bit. And you saw maybe not a lot of the shot creation or just the scoring opportunities rather in the second game, but he certainly... Acted as the primary playmaker and let Garland feed off of his gravity and just New York's defensive attention, but he's just been actively passive in both games three and four. And that's super frustrating when it's that's that that is your guy. Like you need him to carry you at times, especially when the offense isn't going and he just is unable to produce. And that's super frustrating if you're just anyone who is closely, even remotely or even remotely associated with the Cavs. What's your stat? My stat of the night is. Cleveland gave up 17 offensive boards to New York with, holy cow, um, Mitchell Robinson and Jalen Brunson both had four, so good for them. But it was really the damage from Josh Hart and Isaiah Hart – no, sorry, Mitch Robinson had seven. I was reading the wrong one. Either way, uh, all those offensive boards, 21 second chance opportunities, it's just – you understand the assignment. The Cavs, like – are doing this double-edged sword dance where, like, okay, the Knicks killed us with turnovers and scoring off of turnovers and riding that momentum from the home crowd, so we limited them on the offensive boards. And then the Cavs cleaned it up a little bit um, and just limited those uh, points off turnovers from New York in this game, but got killed on the offensive glass. And there's a lot of second chance opportunities, and those plays are backbreaking. And I think just the biggest one of all was Josh Hart getting that offensive rebound to close out the game, and he kicks it out for three um and it's just you're like what what the man it's just like that's so frustrating if you're cleveland and it's a case of too little too late and mitchell robinson's the best offensive rebounder in the league and he hit the nail on the head the Cavs are really really shaken up on
0: the interior
1: and just do not know how to handle new york crashing the glass so often
0: seeing this on twitter that julius Randle uh did not speak to the media after the game because he's like mad about not coming back in the game. So you know what? At least the Cavs are there's some bad vibes uh everywhere else, which okay. Same vibes right, are not
1: immaculate anywhere.
0: No. Uh so play. Every single time Jedi Osmond was put into the action and attacked. Just every single time. I he is not a good defender, and I think every time that he was defending in space in the series uh has especially as the series has gone on has been malpractice on a coaching standpoint i don't understand it i I don't get how we got here with this i i don't get it brunson in certain points of this game is defending him and i he does his foot brunson has amazing footwork oh yeah it is brunson is brunson's like a thick sturdy
1: guard for his size too like he's not a great defender but like plays positionally
0: pretty all right but like Osmond's defending him, and it's just not even like complex stuff. It's just like one move, and he's getting open It's I'm just yep. like, what? What are we doing here with 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 Jetty? Jetty also like airballing that three, um, when he could have like set up a better shot. He had the time to, if he would have just had the awareness. Is just like Chef's kiss. Just like what? What's going on here?
1: It's the Jetty Osmond experience, man. Including when he got fouled on a three point attempt. That was like a desperation heave, and he got three free throws at the line. There's just like jenny was jenny osmond is a peaks and waves player i'm sure people online or people who claim to watch the Cavs but don't really do and they just check the box score think Jetty osmond is just like the best most consistent option for this bench unit sure he can in terms of offensive upside but i agree with you it's coaching malpractice to allow him to defend Jalen brunson more often than not in possessions you watched him get picked apart in game one even though osmond was just like a key player offensively and I'm just really confused why Isaac Okoro has just been relegated to, like, that eighth, ninth man spot in Cleveland's rotation. Like, Ricky Rubio got minutes before Isaac Okoro in this game just to start things out. Brother, why? Why?
0: Rubio playing is just a a while. You
1: need to pull the plug, man. But either way, um, it's just been frustrating to watch because, there was a pretty clear thing in Mark Jackson said it best. Like the Cavs were unable to bottle up anything that worked in game two and apply it to games three and four, because that can travel well with them. And I think it's defense and just kind of getting out on offense and just maybe bending New York a little bit. Cause New York doesn't throw complex stuff where they throw a lot of drop schemes. And like, that was even more frustrating as the ca- the Knicks kept dropping back into the paint and the Cavs would just run right into the teeth, the defense and get blocked, or they would just throw up a sloppy shot attempt and they missed the basket entirely. Like, New York is giving Cleveland three point shot opportunities, and sure, they don't load it with the shooters, but they have enough in Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, and it's just frustrating at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. What? What did you? What is your? Excuse
1: me, I had a cough. So, editor Jake, have fun cutting that out, but the listeners don't have to hear it. But um, my play is golly probably the Isaac Okoro block, just because it's just an indictment of like he's your best defensive player um just currently presently available because Jared Allen and Evan Mowley are getting worked on the interior quite a bit but like Okoro was doing a little bit of everything in game four and like was busting his butt at times to just try and help the Cavs win and it's kind of hard to just like look yourself in the mirror and say like hey we're really letting like guys like that down who are like putting it all on the line especially like when they're relegated to the very back end of the bench I mean it's just tough overall but um Frustrating loss for the Cavs, and again, mildly, mildly concerning heading into Game 5 at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse.
0: Thanks again for making us your first listen every day. Remember, Everydayers will be back on Tuesday breaking down a whole bunch of other things about this series, and especially what's going on with, I think, J.B. Bickerstaff. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is the coolest game I've played in a while. I've always thought it could be a great NBA GM, and it turns out it's not easy. If you've had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own basketball franchise, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. This is the game that allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise in fans glory as you build a historic dynasty. In this simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and trading players slash making draft picks. And you're navigating your franchise through free and see the draft and all of the ups and downs of multiple seasons. I know we have a ton of Lockdown hosts that love it. It's been fun to see them dive all the way in and share how many titles are winning or not winning in, in our group text on tw- or group message on Twitter. Lockdown Cavs listeners get a 100% free boost to the franchise when using the promo code LOCKDOWN in the game store. So go make sure to check that out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up in the app store. that's probasketballgm.com, Altman Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, we're going to finish up here. So, Evan, let's turn on Bickerstaff a little bit more. Um, okay. I, I just think, like, flat out, he has been fully outcoached in this series. I think he has overthought some of these adjustments. I, don't, I think some of the levers he has pulled in the series have been lacking. I, I think some of the lineup stuff just feels a little bit panicky to me. And I understand this is a roster that from a Kobe that is as constructed by Kobe Altman in the front office is is certainly lacking some things, right? Like there there is not a prototypical three and D wing. There is not Mm-mm. you know, maybe the 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 Rubio has not pinned out in a certain way. Like I'm not saying that Bickers has been to his defense has not been Handed the per- the perfect roster, but I don't think he's giving doing the team any favors. I think there's some misreadings of the games. I think there is things that have that he has tried to do that have not worked. I think there are moments where stuff has worked. I think what I, the adjustments he made coming out of halftime were great. I think putting Lavert on the ball and letting him kind of flow things through worked, and it freed up Garland. But the Okoro stuff, the Osman stuff, I think playing Rubio, you know, I, I there's just a lot to me that has felt. Like, he's just getting thoroughly outclassed and out outcoached by Tibbs on, on every single front.
1: Yeah. I, game two being the exception, and the Cavs hit a lot of the right pressure points in that one. Again, it's just surprising that J.B. Bickerstaff and his staff really overthought this. And just look at the game three film and just say, okay, um, Karis Levert is much more effective for a very, very... Um, thin bench rotation. He is our primary offensive option. Um, But he worked like in tandem with Jetty Osmond and Danny Green, and he can pull the plug on either of those two or maybe play one over like Okoro if Okoro doesn't have it. But Okoro at least has that grit and physicality to defend Jalen Brunson to open games and not let Brunson get comfortable. And it was disheartening to see the Cavs just really run back... A pretty similar formula and plan from game three to game four and it just really felt like the Cavs had zero sense of urgency in either of these games especially in game four when the Knicks just hit them really hard and they kept hitting them and it felt like the Knicks were the team that was down 2-1 heading down to 3-1 and they were fighting and scrapping and out hustling and just working every single step of the way and to your point like Tom Thibodeau is a guy who has a wealth of playoff experience. He's coached the Bulls to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, I'm sure folks remember the Heatles and the Bulls just going blow for blow with one another, even when the Bulls were kind of pesky against the Cavs in the first LeBron, first David Blatt year together. And that's when the infamous timeout situation happened, too, with Blatt. But either way, like, J.B. Bickerstaff is just getting worked. And I think it's frustrating to watch this happen because I was asked by Spencer German about this just because it's it's trending on Twitter.com and the Cavs subreddit as well that a lot of fans are saying like oh let's fire JB and get Emi Udoka which I am not a fan of whatsoever or you go get Nick Nurse which I understand the logic behind that a bit more but it's just the optics are hard because the Cavs recently extended Bickerstaff and I know I'm, I'm not one who weeps for the 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 wallets of billionaires at the end of the day, but from a financial standpoint, like that's really hard. It's kind of tough to walk back. I mean, you probably have to eat the uh, PR storm that comes with firing Bickerstaff, but this has been a colossal flop, and I think it's just been really hard for everyone. And the Cavs just aren't really set up for success. And I agree with your point, like. A lot of the encore production does fall on Bickerstaff and preparing his team because they had almost a ten day window to prepare for this next series and it looks like they haven't just really been prepared at all. And Channing Fry said it seemed like they were treating it like a regular season game today. And Yeah,
0: yeah, Channing's Channing's tweets to me carry some weight. Yeah, when a former like, player who has been to that stuff been through the muck it's like the Look, Cavs,
1: he said they had no sense yeah. of urgency whatsoever. Like the screening was bad. Um, it looked like mm-hmm. they were like feeling it out like it's a game one still. And it's a lot of that is on JB and the staff, not preparing the players or making the proper adjustments or maybe overcorrecting things a little bit too much as well. But I think it's. 2 too, because I think about how Kobe Altman said after the trade deadline that there was no player that could move the needle for Cleveland, and as you had noted, there's not a true 3-and-D player on this team, or at least just a more reliable three-point shooting threat than Jetty Osman or what Danny Green can give you physically with the little gas in the tank he has left, or just everything that's just kind of been an issue for Cleveland this season, and... I think just the regular season success kind of quieted a lot of that outside noise. I think Donovan Mitchell was looking so dominant quiet a lot of that outside noise, but the, and I've said this so much, um, the playoffs are a different beast entirely than the regular season and the Cavs are getting a first hand experience of it. I think a lot of fans who are maybe seeing this for the first time is getting a lot of it. And it's also just hard because you don't have LeBron freaking James in your back pocket to kind of just kill, carry you and will you to victory because as good as Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland or Evan Mobley or Jared Allen are, they're not that dude. They're not one of the greatest players of all time. Sure, they can be great in the league, but they're not going to be one of the goats at the end of the day. And that's no disrespect to any of those guys, but there is a, a gulf of talent between those two. And like LeBron, I've seen him do this so many times that I know they're okay with it, but it's just tough, and I think there's a lot of just things you're like, okay, starting Karis Levert's questionable, and it didn't work, but doing again is even more questionable. Having Jetty Osmond defend Jalen Brunson in such tight situations is super-duper frustrating, and just like there's so many just like small things that the Cavs just haven't fixed. You're like, all they right, right, they're, uh, they're not really going to make any adjustments on a game-to-game basis. They're just going to stick to the game plan and just hope it works.
0: Last thing we'll say here is, I, again, I think the Jetty minutes were an abject disaster. I You know, maybe Ditto he has to for play... for
1: Rubio minutes, dude.
0: Yeah, but the Jetty ones were extended over both sides and eight into crunch time, and the Cavs won the Okora minutes. That, this is, to me, if, the, the one, if there's one adjustment that I think we can talk about more in detail for the next episode and get into the nitty-gritty, I, and I think the Cavs should make, is I would start Okora in Game 3, and you just got to like understand that, look, he's not going to maybe hit every three. But he's going to drive. He's going to attack. He's going to do some stuff, and I trust what he's going to actually provide for you on both ends more yeah. than I do. Jetty Osmond, right now, I, I just about, flat out. Well, would,
1: but what about Karis Levert?
0: I would bring him off the bench. I think does, I know. But he'd, do
1: you trust Levert
0: more than you do Osmond yeah. right now? Oh, I mean, yeah. as a bench yeah.
1: player, yes. But as a yeah. star, no. Fl-
0: flat out, yeah. I would not. Jetty. I would play Danny Green over Jetty Osmond at this point. Yeah. Well. Jetty was ne- Jedi is not playing well at all. He just no. isn't. And and he's getting he makes decisions that are actively costing you, I think in pretty significant ways.
1: No, I agree. And unfortunately, it appears the lineup of death, um or the death lineup, whatever you want to call it, uh may have killed the Cavs chances of getting out of the first
0: round. Yeah. All right, one well, there. Cavs are down 3-1. Game 5. Wednesday in Cleveland. We'll see what that looks like. We'll see what the Cavs can do to adjust and we'll break it all down here. Locked on Lockdown. Cavs. Thanks everyone again for tuning in. We'll remind you that again, game five will be Wednesday in Cleveland. You can catch every moment of the Cavs hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Cavs and every day. We'll be back on Tuesday with more breakdowns of this game and what to look forward to in game five in particular. I think how the Cavs can adjust to maybe give themselves a fighting chance to at least extend the series to six. I'm Chris. That's seven. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. Everyone be well.